MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, June 11th, 2021. Today, the Department of Interior Inspector General finds that Lafayette Square was not cleared for Trump's photo op. Trump impeachment lawyers are now defending insurrectionists as Ray testifies on the Hill about the investigation. Six three percenters are indicted on conspiracy charges in the insurrection investigation. The sponsor of the Keystone XL Pipeline has pulled the plug. The Senate has passed legislation to make the former Pulse nightclub a national memorial site. The Arizona Fraudit funding appears to be linked to dark money that funds the big lie. And a Michigan man is sentenced to a year in prison for threatening the Ukraine impeachment whistleblower. I'm your host, Allison Gill. Hi, everyone. Happy Friday and welcome to our 500th show, give or take. I tried to count as best I could, but seeing as we're on week 101 or something to that effect, uh, it, I'm just going to call this Friday right now, today, June 11th, our 500th show. Uh, and to celebrate, uh, but we do this every week, but just we'll have an extra special Zoom happy hour today at 4 p.m. Pacific. Uh, that's 7 Eastern time. And uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's for patrons only. So if you're not a patron, you can become one by going to patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote. You'll become a patron of The Daily Beans and Muller She Wrote. You'll get both shows early and ad free. And I'm excited to to see all of our patrons tonight at 4 Pacific. And it's Friday. That means I will be joined by Amy Carrero for the good news later in the show. And I uh, was fortunate enough today to speak to LGBTQ plus activist and writer Charlotte Clymer. And we discuss a host, an array of things, including uh, Pride Month, corporations um, and uh, celebrating and uh, also how, you know, what Pride Month, how Pride started and uh, why we celebrated in June. We'll talk about um, uh, the, the multiple trans bills uh, that, that are coming up and, and how we need to pass the Equality Act. Lots of great discussion with Charlotte Clymer later in the show. We do have tons of news to get to this Friday, Friday News Dump. I'm sure there's more to come that I'm going to miss, but we'll cover that on Monday. But for now, let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right, too many lead stories to pick just one, so I'm going to start alphabetically. This comes from Adam Klasfeld at Law and Crime, and he says, upending the public's understanding of one of the most controversial images of the Trump presidency, the Interior Department's Inspector General on Wednesday released a 41-page report saying the Park Police did not clear racial justice protesters to make way for a photo shoot with the Bible in front of St. John's Church. Instead, the Inspector General says Park Police had plans to install anti-scale fencing because of property damage in Lafayette Square, and the commander claims to have been taken aback when the Attorney General Bill Barr told him of Trump's impending visit. Quote, are you freaking kidding me? That's what the commander said, and that's according to the report. The inspector general wrote that the commander asked the question in response to another query from Barr. Quote, are these people still going to be here when POTUS comes out? Barr is quoted asking, apparently referring to the Black Lives Matter protesters demonstrating on June 1st, 2020. That was the day, we will remember, police controversially deployed tear gas, pepper spray and rubber bullets to remove protesters in the aftermath of George Floyd's death. Once the crowd was dispersed, according to Adam Klasfeld here in his reporting, 
Trump made his way through the square and posed with the Bible in his right hand in front of St. John's Episcopal, which had been damaged by a fire that was intentionally set the night earlier. The church's bishop, remember this, denounced what she described as a stunt with symbolism antithetical to the teachings of Jesus and everything our churches stand for, unquote. Despite this colorful exchange quoted in the report, the inspector general wrote, quote, the U.S. Park Police Operations Commander denied that the attorney general ordered him to clear Lafayette Park and H Street. Oh, OK, well, if he denies it, <laughs> that must be the case. Quote, we found that the USPP, the Park Police, had the authority and discretion to clear Lafayette Park and the surrounding areas on June 1st. The evidence we obtained did not support a finding that the Park Police cleared the park to allow the president to survey the damage and walk across to St. John's Church. Instead, the evidence we reviewed showed the Park Police cleared the park to allow the contractor to safely install the anti-scale fencing in response to destruction of property and injury to officers that occurred on May 30th and 31st. Further, the evidence showed that the U.S. Park Police did not know about the president's potential movement until mid to late afternoon on June 1st, hours after it had begun developing its operational plan and the fencing contractor had arrived at the park. We remember this. We remember discussing this. Yeah, they were planning to do this. They were planning to put up the fencing um, around uh, around the area uh, because of the fires that had been set on May 30th and May 31st. Uh, uh, however, it was a very last minute call to urgently move everyone back. And it was clearly anyone who watched it in that incredible Washington Post reporting uh, of the minute by minute videos that they pieced together, that, that it was all about moving everybody away so Trump could walk across the street. Anyway, he goes on to say, the inspector general goes on to say, the park police incident commander had instructed that pepper balls should be used from inside the park only if protesters breached the fence line. Uh, park police and open source video evidence we reviewed showed at least one Bureau of Prisons officer shooting pepper balls toward H Street from inside Lafayette Park, but did not show protesters breaching the bike rack fence line. So here's the inspector general admitting that they did use pepper balls a uh, chemical irritant on peaceful protesters that had not breached the fence line. Now, the inspector general, this Mark Lee Greenblatt, Trump appointee, and many people are dismissing his findings, including myself. The report states outright that the watchdog, quote unquote, more like lapdog, did not seek to interview Barr, White House personnel, Bureau of Prisons officers, the ones they say they saw on video deploying pepper balls, Metropolitan Police or Secret Service personnel about their decisions that did not involve the Park Police. The report notes that the Justice Department Inspector General, the Government Accountability Office, GAO, and Metropolitan Police have conducted separate investigations, but they didn't talk to him. Mark Lee Greenblatt, Trump appointee, felt, Man, well, I don't need to ask them. I don't need to ask everyone else who was there. Uh, and in other news, FBI Director Chris Ray testified before the House today and answered questions about the insurrection, along with some idiotic questions that have nothing to do with the FBI, as asked by Republicans like Jim Jordan and Matt Gates. By the way, what is Matt Gates doing there asking the FBI director questions should be the other way around. He really shouldn't be on the friggin Judiciary Committee. He's under federal investigation. Anyway, the big question asked multiple times that we all want answers to is whether the FBI is investigating those who incited the insurrection, the generals, the big dogs, you know, Stone, Rudy, Trump. But Ray repeatedly answered that question by saying that they are looking into charges and have brought conspiracy charges against foot soldiers. And, you know, we are looking at future bigger charges. But he would not address specifically if Trump or Rudy or Stone, by name, were under investigation. 
Now, this could mean a few things. Um, yeah, first of all, it could mean they're not investigating the big dogs. Uh, or it could mean they are. And it's connected to the conspiracy charges that he mentioned over and over again. And he won't comment on the specifics at this time. Either way, we have not heard any public reporting on any of the generals like Trump, Rudy or Stone being investigated, uh, which many experts are cautioning that that doesn't mean they're not under investigation. But many experts we've talked to have said we would have heard by now. I don't know. We will have to see. Time will tell. And speaking of future upcoming charges, uh, this was just handed to me. Uh, Ruffle the papers. Yes, this new reporting from Reuters, speaking of future conspiracy charges and other charges, federal prosecutors have charged six members of the three percenters. That's a right wing militia group with conspiring to attack the U.S. Capitol. This is the latest in a series of such charges arising from the insurrection. The charges against all six men, all from California, were disclosed in an indictment unsealed on Thursday in federal court in Washington, right after Ray had been finished being questioned. Two of them. Alan Hostetter and Russell Taylor were seen the day before the riot with Roger Stone, uh, who we know who he is. That was during a protest outside the Supreme Court against the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. About 30 people so far, including members of two other right wing groups, the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys, have been accused of conspiracy. That's the most serious charges to date. Those pending cases are the largest and most complex of the roughly 500 brought by the Justice Department since the attack. Uh, the other three percenters charged were Eric Scott Warner, Philippe Antonio, Tony Martinez, Derek Kinnison, and Ronald Maley. And in related news, you will remember, likely, attorneys Michael Vanderveen and Bruce Castor. They defended the former guy in his impeachment, 2.0, over the insurrection. And even as Vanderveen, Castor, and the Trump defense team called the impeachment theater and ultimately secured Trump's acquittal, they condemned the rioters for bringing unprecedented havoc, mayhem and death. Remember, they were they were saying this is the rioters. It's their fault. Put them in jail. And we were like, oh, they're going to be really mad because they thought they were doing this at Trump's behest. Right. They thought Trump told them to do this. And Trump's whole defense was let them fry. I didn't incite the riot. That was their argument. Well, now those two lawyers, Vanderveen and Castor, are on the other side of those prosecutions. They're defending at least three people charged in connection with the insurrection. Prosecutors allege that Vanderveen's client, Marine Corps veteran Jason Dolan of Florida, is affiliated with the Oath Keepers and that he helped plan and ultimately participated in the storming of the Capitol. We were just talking about the Oath Keepers as one of the three militia groups now that have been charged with conspiracy. Oath Keepers, Proud Boys, and now the Three Percenters. Castor is representing two defendants facing much less serious charges. Christina Malamon, 28, and her mother, Evgenia Malamon, 54, who were arrested the evening of January 6th outside the Capitol building. That's according to court documents. The two failed to follow repeated police orders to disperse in violation of the curfew order. Authorities in D.C. have charged both women with unlawful entry, uh, which is a misdemeanor. Neither have been accused of committing violence or breaching the Capitol, but they have both pleaded not guilty in D.C. in Superior Court. So we will see. Uh, it's interesting, though, to see them go up, the Vanderveen and Castor go up during the impeachment and say, it was these hooligans on the ground. It wasn't Trump. And then for them to say, I'm defending these hooligans on the ground. They're not guilty. And speaking of the cause of the insurrection, which is the big lie, as we know, in reporting from The Guardian, dark money groups tied to Trump's inner circle and backed by people who have spread baseless claims about the 2020 presidential election appear to be playing a key role in funding the fraud it. Yeah, the crazy times carnival audit in Arizona. 
Republicans in the Arizona State Senate, which authorized the inquiry, allocated $150,000 in state funds to pay for it, just a fraction of the projected overall cost, which is still unknown, by the way. The state Senate had enough money in its operating budget to pay for the investigation. That's according to the Arizona Mirror, but chose not to pay the full price. Instead, the effort is being paid for by private donors who remain hidden from the public, according to a review by Open Secrets and The Guardian. Arizona Republicans and Cyber Ninjas, the Florida-based company overseeing the review, have refused to say who's providing the rest of the money. Questions about funds come as the Arizona Senate has faced scrutiny for why it hired Cyber Ninjas in the first place, a firm with no experience in auditing elections to oversee its massive review. Doug Logan, the firm's chief executive, expressed support for the idea that the election was stolen from Trump. He's a conspiracy theorist. And Karen Fan, president of the Arizona State Senate, said last year she received a phone call from Trump thanking her for pushing to prove fraud, according to emails obtained by American Oversight, which is a you know watchdog group that we talk about quite a bit on this show. Fan, a Republican, also said she'd spoken with Rudy, a Trump ally, multiple times last year. At least $150,000 of the inquiry's funding had purportedly come from Voices and Votes, a 501c4 run by Christina Bob an anchor for OAN, the One America News Network. That's the right-wing media network. We know who they are. The group is also run with the White House correspondent Chanel Rion and Cortland Sykes, her fiancé. Bob spoke with Trump about the review, according to the Post, and emailed fan affidavits on behalf of Giuliani last year, according to those emails that we got. Bob frequently plugs the effort during shows uh, on OAN, where she covers the Arizona Review, but told BuzzFeed that OAN is not in any way affiliated with her fundraising, despite the dark money group being run by multiple OAN members and employees and being promoted on the network. Voices and Votes was incorporated in Wyoming in March, shortly before the inquiry was announced by Greg Roberg, an Arizona attorney. A press release for the Trump campaign last year listed Roberg as a key member of Jewish Voices for Trump. Roberg said in an email he was not involved with the charity beyond helping it with its initial legal papers. The group declined an interview request. Lynn Wood, pro-Trump attorney and absolute crackpot, uh, is behind a slew of lawsuits seeking to overturn the election, told Talking Points Memo that his nonprofit Fight Back donated 50 grand to Voices and Votes for the review. But it's not clear what the money is actually going to since the groups are subject to few financial disclosure rules. And while that amount of money raised through online fundraising is publicly available, the total amount of money changing hands between each of the individuals and organizations Again, subject to few disclosure requirements. Adrian Fontes, former guest on our show, Arizona Democrat, said it was wholly inappropriate for the Arizona State Senate not to disclose who's funding the effort. I concur. Quote, they have permitted this to happen. It happens under the authority of the Arizona State Senate. This is the Senate President Karen Fan's operation. She can set whatever rules she wants to set. She has chosen secrecy. She has chosen to obfuscate. And she is trying to deflect responsibility for the lack of transparency. Interesting. And a Michigan man was sentenced to one year in prison Thursday for sending an email threatening to hunt down and, quote, bleed out like a pig, an attorney for the whistleblower who set in motion then President Trump's impeachment 1.0. This is the Ukraine whistleblower. Remember Rand Paul, everybody trying to out this whistleblower, Lindsey Graham, everyone? District Judge Thomas Ludington handed down the sentence after this man, Britton Atkinson, described his arrest and prosecution as a blessing in disguise. Uh, quote, I'm now on the right medication for my mental issues. And more importantly, I've walked back to the Lord. So my spiritual health is better, too. That's what Atkinson said to the judge. Atkinson admitted to sending the email to Washington lawyer Mark Zayed. That's the day after Trump held up the photo 
of the attorney and read some of his tweets at a rally in Louisiana in November 2019. All traitors must die miserable deaths. That was Atkinson's email. Those that represent traitors shall meet the same fate. We will hunt you down and bleed you out like the pigs you are. We have nothing but time and you are running out of it. Keep looking over your shoulder. We know who you are, where you live, and who you associate with. We are all strangers in a crowd to you. The email came at a time when Zayed was facing sustained attacks from the president and his allies after he came forward as the attorney for the whistleblower who had reported concerns about a phone call in July 2019 between Trump and President Vladimir Zelensky. As we know, during the call, Trump pressured Zelensky to announce an investigation into Joe Biden uh, in exchange for letting go that $400 million in military aid to Ukraine. Atkinson was arrested in February 2020 on a charge of violating a federal law banning threats communicated across state lines. He pleaded guilty last November. Now he goes to jail for a year. And finally, the U.S. Senate passed a bill Wednesday to make former Pulse nightclub a national memorial site. This Saturday will mark five years since 49 people, people were killed in the mass shooting at the Orlando Gay Nightclub on June 12, 2016. The bill was introduced by Soto, Demings, and Murphy. The bill states the site shall not require or permit federal funds to be used for any purpose related to the site. Quote, Orlando Strong is more than just a slogan. It is a promise to support each other and to never forget those we lost and those who were injured on that tragic night. By establishing Pulse as a national memorial, we will honor their memories and remind ourselves of that promise. That's Val Demings, who is now running for Senate to oust Marco Rubio in Florida. The designation states the site would not be part of the U.S. national park system. In June 2020, Soto, Demings, and Murphy attempted to pass a similar legislation uh, with that main difference, that the memorial site would have been part of the national park system. I'll be right back with writer and LGBTQ plus activist Charlotte Clymer. Stay with us. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Beans listeners, it's AG, and today's episode of The Pod is brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit card balance month after month, do not stress. You are not alone. High interest rates make it hard to pay off your debt, but Upstart can help. Join the thousands of happy borrowers who have made that final payment. Upstart can lift the financial weight off your shoulders so you can finally feel the relief of being free of credit card debt at those high interest rates. Upstart is the fast, easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards or consolidating high interest debt or funding personal expenses, over half a million people have used Upstart to get a simple fixed monthly payment. Unlike other lenders, Upstart looks at more than just your credit score. Like they look at your income and your employment history, which means they can offer smarter rates with their trusted partners. With a five-minute online rate check, you can see your rate up front on loans between $1,000 to $50,000, and you can receive your funds as fast as one business day after your loan is accepted. After this past year, I know so many people who lived off their credit cards, and just paying that minimum balance doesn't even make a dent. And that's where Upstart can help. Find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com dailybeans. That's upstart.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget to use our URL to let them know we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit income and certain other information provided in your loan application. Again, go to upstart.com slash dailybeans. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am honored again to be joined by my friend, writer, LGBTQ plus activist, communications consultant. Please welcome Charlotte Clymer to the show. Charlotte, welcome back. Allison, it's good to be back. How you doing? I am well. I'm doing really well. Um, well, there's ups and downs with investigations and the Department of Justice and uh, <laughs> social equality and things like that. But aside from that, uh, I'm doing I'm doing great. How have you been? I mean, you know, I'll tell you this. I, I am much happier than I was a year ago. 
but there's still a lot of stuff to be concerned about and and to work on as far as not not just for LGBTQ rights, but really across the board, there's a lot of work left to be done. So... Yeah, yeah, and, and I think we knew that once you know, at, once we got past the election, that we weren't going to be just finished with uh, doing <laughs> what we need to do and what has to be done. Uh, and I have been personally enjoying your uh, back and forth with some folks on Twitter about the people who carried gi- gigantic, huge American flags in the backs of their trucks. I think that that is uh, an interesting uh, back and forth that you've had going on there because you know I am. You're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Mm-hmm. And I respect the flag. I respect flag code. And I see these torn to shit, gigantic American unlit flags covered in exhaust and dirt and grime. Uh, and, and yet that is somehow supposed to be a, a symbol of, you know, patriotism. And it's simply it's it's almost the opposite to me. It is. It is. You know, look, I. I have a flag, an American flag displayed in my home. I have an American flag decal on my car. What I don't have, as you rightly put, is a giant ass American flag on a flagpole attached to the back of my car. You know, I'm from Central Texas. I served in the military. Um, you know, I love my country, but I don't think that's about patriotism. I think that's about white nationalism. I think it's pretty clear it's about white nationalism. And I think Republicans and a lot of conservatives who do this and are angry at us for pointing this out are pissed that they can't hide behind that excuse because they've basically transitioned more from using Confederate flags to just being completely obnoxious with American flags. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they always come with a there's a set, right? It's that flag. And then there's a Punisher sticker, which is the opposite of the Punisher. If you're into comic books at all, they have some AR-15 uh, bumper sticker, some thin blue line bumper sticker. Oh, yeah, um, it, 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 it's a set. And then maybe some truck nuts uh, that, to go along with it. It's it, it's like a starter kit for white nationalism. It is. And, you know, with with all these things, the hypocrisy could not be more clear. They they care about police until it's police being attacked at the U.S. Capitol. Uh, they care about veterans until it's a black lieutenant being harassed by uh, law enforcement uh, when he gets when he gets pulled over, or trans veterans being kicked out, uh, or women veterans being sexually harassed and raped. Uh, you know, they they care about these things only up to the point where. It includes white men, but when it includes anyone else, then suddenly uh, it's a problem. Yeah, agreed. And um, you do a lot of this uh, writing and you share a lot on your sub stack, which you are relaunching. Tell us tell us about uh, this, why, why you're relaunching it. What was the motivation to do that? Yeah, so I started my sub stack uh, just before New Year's Day of this year. And my goal initially had been to make a living from writing because I've always wanted to just write whatever the hell I wanted and get paid for it. And I was so thrilled by how folks responded to uh, that goal of mine. I mean, a lot of people subscribe to it right off the bat. So many, in fact, that Substack reached out to me and they're offering me a pro deal. Uh, And so basically, they're giving me a, a nice, generous advance for the next year. They're giving me a number of resources to uh, basically make it look prettier, uh, do the marketing better. And so I'm going to be relaunching it in two or three weeks. And I'm very, very excited about that because I think it'll really give me the chance to say whatever the hell I want uh, and and not be tied to any other 
uh, complications or responsibilities as I have been in the past. Yeah, right. Because when we write for some other publications or or uh, when we say what we want on Twitter, sometimes our tweets are taken down. Sometimes we're put on 12 hour lockdown. Uh, when we, you know, when we say uh, what we want to say, if we're writing for another publication, they'll be like, mm, you got to tone that down or we need to do this. And that's why I, I, I love Substack and I support yours and I hope everybody uh, follows it and reads it. And that's so cool that they're going to give you a pro deal. That's awesome. Very excited. You know, and there was a there was a little controversy recently with uh, some anti-trans people being on Substack. And, uh, you know, the thing that it came down to for me and several other trans writers is that we are sick and tired of being pressured to move away from a platform because it has anti-trans people. You know, we're not... I'm not moving away from Twitter because there's anti-trans people on Twitter. I'm not moving away from, uh, you know, Instagram or Facebook. I'm not going to stop writing for outlets because they happen to publish anti-trans people. You know, we're not going to be hidden away because of these folks. And so I I wanted to quickly send that message loud and clear to anyone who's concerned about this. Instead of pressuring trans people to hide ourselves, pressure anti-trans people to change their damn views and to be more inclusive of others. Oh, well, hallelujah, because <laughs> this happened a lot to me as a, as a comedian. Uh, as a woman and a comedian, uh, I would end up on shows with outed Me Too'd comics who are known for their sexual harassment, who are known for their sexual assault and their sexual mis- uh, misconduct. And they would come, people would come to me and say, how could you be on a show with that person as if I'm supposed to give up my spot to cater to them. Why don't you get them off the show? Hell yeah. I'm, I'm not going to miss an opportunity to do the main stage at the comedy store in Hollywood on a Saturday night at 1030 because Jeremy Piven's on it and you don't like him. Like, fuck that. No, no. And I, you know, I'm sick and tired of it. I, you know, I have important things to say. Uh, these other trans writers like Parker Malloy, like Grace Lavery, uh, you know, like several other trans writers, they have important things to say. We're not going away uh, because of the irresponsibility and the cruelty of anti-trans people. Yeah. It's just that's, that's all there is to it. And, and publishing your work or publishing with a publisher who's published anti-trans stuff or white nationalist stuff or on a platform that has people that do that. I don't understand. I, I'm so with you why they why they come after us for that and not not the actual assholes. It's just That's the right. weirdest thing. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to be quiet. Amplify I'm not, our voices. We're saying the things that need to be said. You know, we're, we're saying things like, you know, fuck white nationalism, fuck transphobia, you know, fuck uh, uh, U.S. complicity in war crimes. Like we're, we're saying the things that need to be said. So you can either support us and amplify what we're saying or you can build these walls and, 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 you know, exclude people from spaces where we can be heard more forthrightly. Yeah, 100 percent. I agree with you. And thank you for saying that. Thank you for putting that out there. And if folks want to follow along, by the way, real quick, folks want to follow along. Uh, my Substack right now is at the URL charlotteclimber.substack.com. It's free to subscribe and read, although I will gladly accept your paid subscriptions. And I'm really excited for that. Uh, yeah, I am, too. I'm looking forward to what you have to say. It's important. Uh, and I have a couple questions about Pride Month, corporate Pride Month, uh, et cetera, and some uh, some of the anti-trans bills and that push. But I do have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Yep. Thank you. Everybody, we'll be right back. Hi, everybody. It's Allison for The Daily Beans. We all know self-care is important. I talk about it at the end of every show. But it shouldn't add to your stress, right? It doesn't make any sense that something you're trying to do for self-care makes it more stressful. I've got a great recommendation for simple, straightforward self-care. It's called Caliper CBD. Since I started using Caliper CBD, I've noticed marked improvement in my stress levels and my overall sense of calm. 
I have a lessening of pain and soreness after workouts, and I can fall asleep easier. The best part of Caliper CBD is I get all the benefits without drastically changing my routine, so it doesn't add to my stress. Caliper's so convenient, they've created an easy-to-use and more effective CBD powder, which is the only clinically proven fast-acting CBD. Rather than taking oils and tinctures that you have to hold under your tongue or are hard to mix into food and drink, Caliper created a dissolvable powder that delivers 30 times more CBD in the first 30 minutes. While some CBD oils can take over an hour, Caliper CBD was developed by food and science experts with decades of experience, and it's rigorously tested for purity and quality at every step. There's no weird taste, no oily residue. Uh, I know how easy it is. I love it because I, I use it now every day, and it's been so easy to integrate CBD powder into my routine. I just put it in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake. It's helped me calm down and relax even when stress gets overwhelming. But Caliper is always THC-free, so I can feel better without that disorienting high. I've had such a positive impact with it that my friends and family have noticed. And the great thing about Caliper CBD is it comes in convenient, easy-to-use packets, pre-measured for precisely 20 milligrams. It's all-natural, vegan, non-GMO, free of fillers, free of added chemicals, and free of artificial flavors. And you can get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you do not love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code dailybeans for 20% off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking to the amazing, the incomparable Charlotte Clymer, uh, <laughs> LGBTQ plus activist, writer, um, just uh, communications consultant. I, I might have to talk to you about that. I need to learn how to better communicate. So I love it. So it's Pride Month. And I'm seeing sort of a, an argument going on on social media about people who on one side are very angry about corporations and big businesses uh, and Major League Baseball teams sort of putting out rainbow colored things and celebrating Pride Month, which they do one month out of the year, but apparently not the rest of the year. And then a bunch of and then the, on the other side of people are like, hey, let them let's do this. Uh, and I was wondering where you come down on that, because I've seen I've kind of have you seen this back and forth? I have. I have. And you know, look. The people who criticize uh, the what they what they find to be the problematic nature of some business and businesses and corporations who do pride, uh, they, they have a valid point uh, because some of these businesses, not all, but some of these businesses who do all the pride merchandising and social media rainbow stuff, they don't actually take care of their LGBTQ employees. They don't have trans inclusive healthcare. They don't have workplace policies uh, that protect LGBTQ people from discrimination. And, and most of them do. I want to be clear about that. Most of these companies do, but some of them don't. And it's very important that we listen to LGBTQ people when they point out that inconsistency. Um, the last thing we want is for a company to throw up a rainbow flag uh, as a way to discriminate against LGBTQ people or innate discrimination of LGBTQ people. Um, but I also say this, though. If you are a company who's, who's walking a walk, don't worry about it. Keep doing your thing. If you have all the policies in place that are helping LGBTQ people, if you're being a good ally as a corporation or a company, just do your thing. Do whatever pride stuff you want. Just make sure that you're also walking the walk. Mm, right. Because the concern is, is that there are some of these corporations, like you said, who are actually donating money to Republicans that are quashing uh, equality and equity bills. And that's right. Uh, and that's that's where it's it becomes just tasteless. No, no. And, you know, uh, companies who donate to Republicans who are opposed to, for example, the Equality Act. The Equality Act is the most important piece 
of pro-LGBTQ legislation, and I will honestly say one of the most important pieces of legislation in modern history. It would, it would in one fell swoop ban all anti-LGBTQ discrimination in every area of public life all throughout the United States. This one bill. Uh, because right now, in almost 30 states, LGBTQ people are still vulnerable to discrimination in public housing, excuse me, in housing period, uh, in credit, public accommodations, jury service, education, adoption. I mean, really, the only two ironclad protections that LGBTQ people have are marriage, employment, and that's it. And that only came, that only came about because of the Supreme Court rulings. But every area of public life, if I go to Missouri right now and I wanted to get an apartment and the property owner said, sorry, I don't work to trans people, that would be it. That's it. Because there are no protections in Missouri and 29 other states uh, for trans people who want to rent an apartment or buy a house and the owner might be transphobic and deny a service. So the Equality Act would ban discrimination like that. And so when we have Republicans who are either steadfastly against it or too cowardly to come out in support of it and corporations are donating to them, that clearly is completely at odds with the whole purpose of Pride Month, which by the way, did not begin as a celebration. It began as a protest. Pride Month started as a protest. It started at Stonewall. Uh, it was led by trans women of color. Uh, it was meant to uh, uh, protest the, the systemic and cultural discrimination against LGBTQ people. And so it's great to have parades. It's great to have uh, you know uh, rainbow icons on uh, social media. I'm in support of all those things. But you have to back it up with actual things and policies in place that help LGBTQ people. Yeah, agreed. And and talking about the Equality Act would have an impact on this wave of anti-trans bills brought by red states with red legislatures. Uh, and I was wondering about your th- uh, thoughts on that denying health care to trans children, uh, banning trans girls, generally, usually trans girls from playing sports on girls sports teams. It's it's that's a one way thing for them. I think that is another reason it would just it would kill one of the main campaigning points for Republicans. It would. It would. I mean, look, Republicans have spent the past decade trying to leverage transphobia into an electoral strategy. Uh, They tried doing it with bathroom bills, uh, basically banning trans people from using the bathrooms that align with our gender identity. Uh, That didn't work. It backfired. Uh, they've tried doing it with the ban on trans people in the military. That was deeply unpopular and it backfired. And they have finally settled on this dual strategy of attacking trans kids in sports, trying to ban trans kids in sports. Republicans are now on a dual strategy. The first prong of this is to ban trans kids from sports, right? And this has no validity whatsoever. Uh, the Associated Press reached out to the sponsoring Republican lawmakers of all these bills that are trying to ban trans kids in sports. And these bills have been introduced in more than 20 states. So they, so they reached out to all the sponsoring lawmakers and they asked a simple question. Could you point to one example of where this has been a problem in your state? And in almost every single instance, not a single lawmaker could do that. The few lawmakers who did uh, pointed to Connecticut where right now the families of three cisgender young women, cisgender meaning not transgender, are suing the state of Connecticut because two trans girls were allowed to compete in track and field events. Now, here's the complication though. 
uh, in the eight days after this lawsuit was filed, one of these cis young women beat the faster of the two uh, trans young women twice, including in the state championship. There is no merit to this whatsoever. Uh, this is not a problem anywhere. It is a fallacy. Uh, the NCAA has had a policy in place for almost a decade, uh, a rational, well-thought-out policy that allows trans athletes to compete when they go through a proper medical process. You know, sports scientists, the NCAA has, has clearly made a... I mean, it come, came out last month and made a clear statement. And, and the NCAA is not a quote-unquote, uh, I would say, socially liberal organization. No. They're pretty... No, they're not. And, and, and they came out and they said, no, this is ridiculous. We're going to allow trans athletes to compete. It's been working for 10 years. Republicans just showed up and tried to make this a problem. But we're not going to let it happen. Um, okay, so the other issue, though, is that Republicans are trying to ban uh, children from having access to gender-affirming care. Now, here's the thing. The American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the American Psychiatric Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, the World Health Organization, the uh, American Society of Gynecologists, like all of these medical authorities, every almost... Actually, it is. It is every major medical authority that has come out and said quite clearly that trans and non-binary children should have access to gender-affirming care. This is not even up for debate. The medical world is, is basically in consensus about this. And Republican lawmakers are ignoring that and trying to foment it into a, a potent issue for the ballot box in the midterms. So here's, here's the 30,000-foot view of this, Allison. This year alone, more bills, more anti-trans bills have been introduced than in the previous 10 years combined. Just in the first six months of this year alone, it's more than 100 anti-trans bills in 30 states that have been introduced. Uh, now, the vast majority of them have either been defeated or blocked, which is great. Uh, but seven states have already banned trans kids in sports. And at least two states have banned gender-affirming care for trans children. And so what we're seeing right now is a wholesale effort by the Republican Party, the National Republican Party, as well as state parties, to weaponize transphobia for the ballot box. And we're sick of it. It's, it's, it's got to go. It's time to be over. Trans kids are not going to be attacked. We will not stand idly by and allow these children to be attacked by grown adults who are you know, basically trying to exploit their trauma for more votes at the ballot box. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's why it's so important that you're speaking out and that you're writing. Can you tell everyone before I let you go once again what your uh, Substack URL is so that they can follow you? Yes, of course. Uh, it's it's all it's all one URL, but no like dashes or anything. It's charlotteclimber.substack.com. So when you look at when you look at Allison's title for this episode, it'll have my name in it. Put my first and last name, .substack.com. Uh, it's it, once again, it's free to subscribe. Uh, but hey, I'm more than happy to take your paid subscription. That's for sure. So <laughs> I support you, and I and I look forward to reading what you have to say. Thank you so much, and happy Pride, Charlotte Climber. I appreciate your time. Happy Pride, Allison. You're a gem. Everybody, stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, Beans listeners. It's Allison, and this portion of the show is brought to you by Quince. If you're like me and you can appreciate the style and quality of designer clothes and stuff, but not the exorbitant high prices, you will love Quince. Luxury products don't have to be expensive, but they're often marked up eight to ten times by retailers. Quince connects you directly with the factories, eliminates the middleman, 
uh, and you can get this high quality products, these wonderful, beautiful, high quality products at insanely low prices. And I'm so glad I discovered Quince. It's been amazing finding luxury products for such incredible prices. I found great apparel, cashmeres, handbags, bedding, accessories at 50 to 80 percent less than what I would pay for the same quality at most expensive luxury brand stores. At Quince, you'll find the finest quality in a wide variety of products like Italian leather handbags made in Florence, silk loungewear and PJs perfect for summer, five-star hotel quality Turkish cotton bathrobes. I just got one. It's so plush and amazing. It's incredible. There's so much there. And home goods. Quince goods are not only gorgeous and high quality, but sold at radically lower prices. And they're also made sustainably, which is so important to us here at The Beans. And with Quince, everything is 100% factory direct, which is so great. Uh, Best of all, there's free shipping and returns for 365 days. And if you're not completely satisfied, they give you a full refund. No risk. One-year returns. So to get from 50 to 80% off on top-of-the-line clothing and home goods plus free shipping, text the word DAILY to 64000. That's the word DAILY to 64000. Terms apply. Available at onequince.com slash terms. Just text the word DAILY to 64000. And today's show is also brought to you by Monk Pack. I am a snacker. I love snacks. I graze all day, but finding a healthy snack has been very difficult because let's face it, healthy snacks have a bad reputation and for good reason. They never really tasted that good. Aha, but I have found Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars. They contain less than one gram of sugar, two to three grams of net carbs, and they're only 150 calories. They're great for anyone following a keto lifestyle, and they're the perfect snack for anyone who wants to eat better or cut back on sugar and carbs without giving up your snacks. The Monk Pack Keto Nut and Seed Bars have a perfect balance of sweet and savory, that good crunch that you need from whole nuts and seeds, but they still manage to be soft and chewy, and they come in delicious flavors. They have sea salt dark chocolate, peanut butter dark chocolate, and my favorite, caramel sea salt. They're perfect for a quick snack or to indulge your sweet tooth without any guilt. In addition to being keto-friendly, they're gluten-free, plant-based, and non-GMO. They have no soy, no trans fats, no sugar alcohols, and no artificial flavors. I'm obsessed with these, so I signed up for a subscription to my favorite flavors, which saves me 10% on every order, and they ship automatically to me. Getting these delicious treats has been a game changer in my effort to eat healthier, so try it for yourself and you'll see. We have a special deal for listeners. You can get 20% off your first purchase of any Monk Pack product by visiting monkpack.com and entering our code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout. Monk Pack is so confident in their product, it's back with a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason, they'll exchange the product or refund your money, whichever you prefer. So to get started, again, just go to monkpack.com. That's M-U-N-K-P-A-C-K.com. Select any product, then enter the code DAILYBEANS at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. Monk Pack, delicious, nutritious food you can count on, and we thank them for sponsoring the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. It's Friday, and that means I'm joined by the incomparable Amy Carrero. Hello, Amy. Hi, G. How you doing? I am doing well. You look fantabulous. It's your last day of your uh, of your uh, dungeon master experience. Yeah, my D and D. I'm really excited because they. Um, well, more on that later because somebody actually wrote in about it, so I'll save it. Oh, for that. Yeah, excellent. Well, then why don't we kick it off? Okay. Well, we'll float on good news is on the way. I'll go first here. This is listeners submitted good news, confessions, corrections, any games we're playing. If you want to come up with a new game, <laughs> anything you want to let us know about to read on the air, you can do that by sending it in on the air like we're on the air. Uh, you can send it in at um, dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And our first submission today is a short one from Sheila, pronouns she and her. 
wanted to share my little giggle upon hearing reference to the climate denier Senator James Inhofe. I call him by his mafia name, Jimmy Snowballs. <laughs> Love, <me. laughs> Love you guys. Enclosed is Dixie waiting on some sweet Aww. tea. Look at this puppy. Dixie. I want to sit in that swing with that dog. It sounds, it looks so beautiful. Thanks for making us laugh with that. I know. I need a swing. I don't have a swing. And I don't know what I'd do with it other than sit in it and watch people go by. Yeah. Sit in it. Read maybe. Be nice. Yeah. Okay. Next up from Amy. Oh, wait. This is a double. Okay. So from Amy, spelled like my name, A-I-M-E-E. Ooh. Pronouns she, her. Hello, Allison and Amy. First, huge thanks to AG and DG for their tearfully lovely red read of my son's good news uh, his regarding to his prom dress a couple of weeks ago. You are such good people. You really are. Today's good news was announced by said son as he excitedly tore out of his room at 9.13 this morning to announce Amy Carrero is going to be on Critical Role. And boom, mother and son's streaming worlds collided in a very good way. <laughs> After making said announcement, he went back to bed because the kid graduated from high school yesterday and was out until 2.30 in the morning. At, well, I added in the morning. That, that goes back to our thing. At grad night. And yet he made sure he was up at 9 a.m. for Critical Role's State of the Role because priorities. So yay. Congrats, Amy. Super excited for you. Secondly, I have a misheard name for you. I was reminded by Dana's reference to Roscoe P. Coltrane that I spent my entire childhood thinking his name was Roscoe Pico Train. Me too. (laughs) Me too. Oh, my God. I still have to pause to say it right. In lieu of pod pet tax, I submit pod mom tax, a selfie with my youngest kiddo in his cap and gown yesterday. Congrats to all the grads and families and their support systems for making it through this shit show school year. And extra thanks to the Beans team. You're an important part of our village, too. (gasps) Oh, man. I love your glasses. I know. Chic. Fantastic. Chic but and retro at the same time, which is hard to do. And congrats to your awesome son. Congrats. Oh, man, I love it. Thank you so much for that. Mm. All right. Next up from Ryan, pronouns he, him, they, them. Hello, Beans. I'm writing to you today because my good news is that Amy will be on Critical Role. (laughs) I'm so excited. I've been listening to the Daily Beans on MSW since about a year and become a patron ever uh, very early on since I love getting all the gooey little tidbits and such. But I've been watching Critical Role for many, many years and have fallen in love with the characters. And now I get to see Amy, one of my favorites from the Daily Beans, uh, on Xandria Unlimited. And I can't wait to see what she does and what kind of character she rolls out. I've been seeing the outfits. Okay, it's it's a lot. I got a little behind the scenes. It's amazing. (laughs) As always, you guys do amazing work. And thanks for uh, thank you for keeping me up to date on all things important. Even though I'm from Newfoundland, Canada, I still feel like it impacts us up here and I should know about it. It's been shows like yours and Critical Role that have kept me and my wife sane throughout this pandemic. My pet tax is included. My big old Mutt Nova with my little girl Emery, seven months old, for, for, uh, for you to guess what he is. What the mutt answer on the bottom and a photo of my house panther spook who loves giving me saucy meows when I don't feed her exactly on time. Yes, I'm familiar with that feeling. Whoa, uh, so much beauty in one photo. First of all, I would love to go to Newfoundland like anytime. Anyone invite me out there. I would love to go. Look how beautiful it looks. All right. So we have to guess what this. 
Okay. Doggo is. I see lab. Lab for sure. Um, hmm. Oh, God. I love the markings on the chest. Yeah. Well, okay. What about the, just roll with me here. The face, not the coloring, but the face looks a little German shepherdy. Yeah, kind of, right? With the longer nose. Yeah. There's probably some chow in there, just because. Always chow. All right, let's see what we've got. Drum roll, please. Trrr. German shepherd. Oh! You got it. Husky and lab. So you and I together got two thirds of this dog. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't have guessed the husky because I don't know why I always assumed their eyes were blue. But look at this little kitty and look at the little baby. Oh, that's that cute. baby is adorable. That's that a is a cute baby. Cute baby. Love, love, love. Okay, cool. Next up, slippers! Exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. Pronouns she, her. Hey, girls. I love listening to you every day. Some of my favorite episodes are when you speak with Mary Trump, and I'm enjoying the MSW book club with her books. Misheard lyrics, white snakes, here I go. Mm. As a kid, for some reason, I pictured a poor, lonely twister that was born to walk alone. Is that song that he and how does this song go? Uh, here I go again, again on, on my own. own. Oh, right, right. Like a twister, I was born to walk alone. Oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> it makes sense I think at the time. Is it, is it Drifter? Like yes. a Drifter I was? Okay. It has right. to be. That's the only thing that makes sense. And that is uh, the first time I believe, and I could have this wrong. This could not be a misheard lyric, but a mis- misseen person in a video. I think that's the first time I saw Tawny Katane. Damn. Um, I, think, I think on the hood of the car. I'll have to look that up. Actually, if I'm not, if I'm not right, you send in a correction. But that is uh, and rest in peace, Tony. That'll be like that could be a new fun game. People you think are in music <laughs> videos, but they're it's not them. Um, yeah, so it made sense at the time. Uh, mm. Please enjoy my attached photos of my kitties. Frisbee is a tabby. She was found as uh, as a kitten. On the streets of downtown Philly, she was sitting on a frisbee. Like a drifter. Like she a drifter. was born to walk alone. Until she wasn't. <laughs> uh, she was sitting on a frisbee on the corner and ended up taking shelter where we adopted her. The black cat is Pixel, who was taken in by someone as a Halloween cat. Oh, I hate that. Only to be abandoned in the halls of an apartment building after Halloween. Ugh. Signs were posted to find his home, but no one ever came to get him. A kind lady took him in temporarily, and though and through word of mouth, he has found a forever home with us. The kitties fought a lot at first, but now they are BFFs. Thanks for all you do. Make sure you are registered to vote, everyone. Oh, and they have like a a personalized <laughs> pillow. Oh, they do. <laughs> Double trouble with the kitties. <laughs> <laughs> that's really good. Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, kitties do that. They'll fight at first, but then they they are cuddle monsters. No, they're, they're in the same little bed. You could tell they they're like so, each other. so cute. All right, next up, no name, no pronouns given. Hello, Beans Queens. I just wanted to say hello and say my new Helix mattress is bomb. Ooh. And my back pain is so much better now. For my pet tax, my mobile groomer took these photos today. Little Bear is about four and a half years old. I know his mama is Maltese and daddy-o is a Yorkie, but somehow there must be some poodle in there too. He's about 20 pounds but I really thought he'd be smaller. LOL. <laughs> like, with, yeah, with Yorkie and, and Maltese, he'd be Damn. tiny, but 20 pounds. 20 pounds, pretty good. Uh, this week, we're headed from Portland to Salt Lake City to visit family. Thanks for to being fully vaccinated. And we'll be, this will be LB's, little Lil Bear's longest car ride ever. Life is good. Oh, Look at this. Oh my God. Okay, this looks Damn. like a pageant dog. I hate to tell you, but this mm-hmm. is, this dog is, 
Little Miss, Little Mister, Little Person, Little Bear, Texas. Like, oh my, right? Gosh, yeah. And and I got to tell you, I think you're right because it looks like a multi poo. There yep. looks like there's poodle in here, and maybe that's what's given given Little Bear the heft, the little extra know? heft. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think it's great. I think it's great that you, you bought a Yorkie and, and a Maltese, and you got a twenty pound dog. I think that's uh, that's a gift. So cute. So I love that. Okay, next up. Ooh, Amy's Court. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. From Derek. My friend says that Adora slash Catra shippers are operating on a double standard when they denounce the, the Ray Kylo Ren ship as toxic, that both dynamics are pro- problematic. I say that there are significant differences. Are there more that are more than just special pleading. Amy and AG, what say you? Including a picture of my pup, Archer, who is bravely fighting cancer that is giving him life-threatening hypoglycemia, which we await a launch window for hopefully curative surgery. Corgi disapproves of shaving for ultrasounds. And I... Oh, oh, baby. This looks like a stuffed baby. baby. Oh, what a honey. Stuffed, stuffed honey. Okay, full disclosure. I'm assuming that Ray Kylo slash Ren relationship is from Star Wars. Yes. Okay. The here I'm gonna break some news down here. I auditioned for one of these roles mm-hmm. and I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So I haven't seen this movie because I'm salty about it. But <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Am I thinking of the new one? I'm thinking of the new one, right? The one that's um this wonderful actress, Kelly Marie Tran, ended up getting the role, so I can't even be mad ab- about it. She's amazing. Is that what they're talking about? Because I can talk to I can I can talk about Adora and Catra. Well, let's do that. Let's focus on the Adora Catra relationship. Okay. They're operating on a double standard when they denounce the Ray yes. Kylo Ren ship as toxic. So we can kind of we can kind of gather what they're saying. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, I I have I am Adora Catra lover for life. I was like. Other than Noel, probably the first person that was like, are they going to are they going to get together? That being said, I think that it is I mean, it, it started off as toxic. I think a lot of relationships start off as toxic, especially when you grow up uh, with the person you are eventually going to fall in love with. Like there is some headbutting and some weird behavior because you're both growing up and like when you're a teen you feel a lot of feelings and you do a lot of shit and you hurt a lot of people, not because you want to, but because you're both going through the same kind of thing at different times. Mm. So, yeah, I, I I don't think I think they can both be true. I think Adora and Katra started off as very toxic because, you know, they were going in opposite directions and they were hurting each other without meaning to. And sometimes they did mean to. But then in the end, as they grew up and learned things about themselves, then they kind of were able to meet in like on the same plane and and have a healthy, uh, strong bond and romantic relationship. I don't know. Yeah. Based on communication. Right. And I mean, that's sort of the key. Yeah. Now, I I have to recuse myself about addressing the question as to whether or not there are significant differences between these two relationships. Because like you, Amy, and I'm going to get a bunch of emails oh, for this. Man. Me too. I have also not seen that particular Star Wars. <laughs> Wait, I think I know if, if OK, I'm going to make up and take a wild guess here. From what I read about in the script when I auditioned, I think they're talking the relationship I think they're talking about, which could be wrong. Again, I could be talking about two different people. Seems like, you know, they kind of like hurt each other on purpose sometimes and don't really like 
think about each other's feelings because their desires are diametrically opposed. And I think that that happens. I think that happens when you're young. I mean, I, I, I don't know, right? I mean, imagine being in a relationship with like your high school significant other now, like how different would that relationship be? I'm not saying it's meant to be, but like you'd probably treat each other with a little more respect. Yeah. And I think that they're connected by a force bond. Oh, uh, Ray and Kylo Ren. Let's see. Uh, but again, I I would be stabbing in the dark uh, on that one. And I I am so ashamed. But yeah, you all know, uh, listeners know, I am oh. a Star Trek person. Okay. I just saw who these characters are. Yeah. Okay. I'm talking about the And not so people. much a Star Wars person. But, you know, I did see the Skywalker one, which was pretty great. Anyway, we're going to get skewered. We're really going to just get raked through the coals. I take back what I, I said. This was not the role I auditioned for. It was a different role. And I haven't seen the movie because of that. But anyway, I would venture to guess that any kind of toxicity when you're young is kind of it's not excusable. But, you know, maybe the hope is when you get older, things will mellow out. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that you can speak, you know, with a great knowledge. Uh, um, About half of the question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, however, I will say this. If you were interested, uh, Derek, in, in writing to us and explaining yes. your thoughts on the dynamics of the of the Ray Kylo Ren relationship uh, as toxic, even though they're they're, I think, bound together by the force. If, if memory serves again, just a memory for things I've heard, not seen and experienced firsthand and perhaps give us a little bit of a breakdown, maybe in the in the form of an amicus brief. Uh, to yeah. Amy's court about your arguments as to why there are significant differences. Uh, then yes. I think I think we'll be able to address them with a little more clarity. And I should go watch the. I'm going to watch it Jesus. too. Okay, I'm giving myself homework. I'm going to go watch. It. I'm going to get over my BS. I'm going to watch it. And then when <laughs> you come back with that amicus brief, woo, we're going to be ready, baby. You're going to get an answer like you've never wanted or expected. We'll be ready to go. And I apologize on behalf of uh, the Daily Beans, Muller She Wrote, <laughs> LLC, and MSW Media Inc. for uh, not having knowledge of this particular uh, Yes, Star me Wars too. And, and I listen, I apologize. For, to, uh, but for me, my descendant, my future descendants, my ancestors, we're all, we all apologize. <laughs> we're going to correct this, though. I promise we will make this right. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for sending in your good news. Um, and I'm so excited, Amy, your your critical role. This is going to be amazing. I, the worlds are colliding. They're colliding all over the place. I love it. I love it. Place, I'm so. so excited. I'm going yes. off to do it right now. Hoo-hoo. And have a wonderful weekend. And uh, everyone, until we speak again on Monday morning, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. And Louis Gomert is dumb. I've been Allison Gill. <laughs> and I've been Amy Carrero. <laughs> and them's the Beans. <laughs> the Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.